do you all ever make decisions based on how you think people no. will perceive it? No. And you can tell by some of the bad decisions we've made. <laughs> <laughs> This is episode 308 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman, and before we start today's episode, talking to our good friend Bernie Lubbers of Heaven Hill, here's your weekly bourbon news update. The Kentucky Bourbon Trail is celebrating its 22nd birthday with a new and updated Bourbon Trail Passport and Field Guide, and it's there to help visitors plan and prepare that ultimate journey. The guide contains 150 pages of information about the attraction, from maps and suggested itineraries, to cocktail recipes, tasting notes, and of course, key data about the participating distilleries. Passport stamps now unlock new special access to collectible bottles and private barrel selections, souvenir barware, tastings, and other unique awards at the 18 Kentucky Bourbon Trail participating distilleries. The guide is available now for $6 at the participating distilleries. Moving on to bourbon release news. Buzzard's Roost, from our good friend Jason over at Bourbon's Bistro, is releasing their sixth product offering. It's a peated barrel rye. With a proof of 105, this four-year-old rye whiskey was blended in a barrel that introduced smoke from peat logs that were imported from Scotland. And this will be available in Kentucky and Massachusetts for $75. Woodford Reserve is releasing a new limited edition product that is a blend of bourbon-finished and French and California brandy barrels as a part of their distillery series. This is packaged in 375 milliliter packages, priced at $50, and only available at the distillery and a few Kentucky retailers. Diageo is releasing a new orphan barrel called Copper Tongue that is coming from Cascade Hollow in Tullahoma, Tennessee. It is a cask strength, 16-year straight bourbon whiskey bottled at 89.8 proof and has a retail price of $100. And Evan Williams Bourbon, which is the second largest selling bourbon in the world, announced a major redesign of Evan Williams 1783 small batch. It will be relaunched in new proprietary glass and also bottled at its original proof of 90. This is using Heaven Hill's traditional mash bill of 78% corn, 10% rye, and 12% malted barley. These will be shipping nationwide with a retail price of $20. And Old Forester is launching Old Forester Rye Single Barrel that will also be bottled, uncut, and unfiltered. It will only be available in limited quantities, but will eventually roll out nationwide. However, at this time, it will not be a part of the single barrel program. Bernie Lubbers is one of the great treasures of the modern whiskey era. A few years ago, he came on the show and gave us a deep dive on Bottled and Bond, and that was back on episode 89. So if you haven't had a chance, make sure you go listen to that. But now he's back and we're talking Mellow Corn, Parker's Heritage Selections, and where the market is headed with pricing of bourbon on the shelf. Also, stay tuned towards the end when Bernie sings us a song called Whiskey, Honey, and Lovin'. We recorded this episode a few months ago, and we talk about Elijah Craig Barrel Proof and how we want them to be a part of the single barrel selection, but hey, now it's a reality. With that, enjoy today's episode, and now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Eric Myers, who writes me on fredminnick.com. He asked a question, what type of flask material should I buy and how long can I keep my whiskey in it? That is an incredible question, Eric. I have one thing to tell you. Always look for sterling. Always, always look for sterling. That's right. Sterling silver is my go-to for the flask. And yes, I know it's more expensive. I know you drop a little bit more coin. But here's what happens when you, when you buy stainless steel flasks. Uh, I, multiple times this has happened to me. And you can go on to social media forums and you can see people talking about the same thing. These flasks, if you have whiskey in them for more than a month, which like, look, I go out fishing, I have a flask, I forget about it, and then I find it three months later in my garage, and then I pour it out and the whiskey is green or like a deep, dark purple that's like, oh, shit, I ain't drinking that stuff. And it's because it's stainless steel. So stainless steel is actually made up of like iron and chromium, and alcohol will tear that apart. Now, if you're putting it in there very quickly, you will, and you drink it very quickly, you know, no problem. It's not going to be a big thing. But if it's sitting there, it's going to corrode away 
at the materials inside that flask. Whereas uh, sterling silver, sterling silver is made up of about 92, 93% pure silver and the rest of a copper alloy. And while I don't have any kind of study to tell you that this alloy of sterling silver is, um, is better for, you know, holding whiskey, I do know there's a plethora of material out there from jewelers talking about how alcohol will not strip sterling silver. So, uh, and just an experience, I have left, I have left whiskey in a sterling silver flask for two years and it was still good. And why did that happen? How did that happen? Well, funny story. It was uh, wrapped up in a poncho from Derby, and I just forgot about it, and it was in the garage, and I was cleaning up the garage, and I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? Oh, it's a flask. Drank it. It was good. What was it? I believe it was uh, Jefferson's 18-year-old, and uh, it still tasted just fine. Also, pewter is another one, but stay away from stainless steel. That's the one thing that I can tell you is stainless steel is the enemy to the flask. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for the question from Eric Myers, who wrote me on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. If you have a question for me, hit me up on any of the social medias or go to my website, Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. The whole gang here today talking to an old friend of the show, and I'm super excited to be bringing him back because he hasn't been on in a while, and he's been one of the names that has stuck around in, in bourbon new lore, if you will, because he's been the man that is championing Bottled and Bond. We've talked about him before. He he came back on episode 89, actually, was when we dived deep into Bottled and Bond, and he stumped Ryan and I, oh, I think, over an hour. And yeah, you exposed us, the frauds we are. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know anything about Bottled and Bond. A little bit, but Man, you, you know a lot. Yeah. And Fred, you have a, a long history with our guest as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bernie Lubbers is one of those uh, fellas that I knew back before he was with Heaven Hill and just one of those guys that uh, to me is always embodied bourbon. Uh, Bernie is a guy that, you know, I consider a friend and and I, I don't say that about all of them. Like I, I'm, I'm friendly with all the distillers and people who work with distilleries, but like if I have a moment where, you know, something's going on in my life. Bernie's going to be someone I reach out to because, um, you know, we have that same kind of like, you know, care about each other on, on, on a friendship level. And you find that in bourbon a lot. But he's also one of the few people in bourbon who works for a distillery who talks about other brands, but also knows what he's talking about. I get so tired of hearing people talk about history that they 
that their marketing company came up with and and talking about grandpappy bringing back the yeast in his toes from the Atlantic ship or whatever the hell. But Bernie, he actually knows his shit and he's actually written some books and uh, he's got a great, he's got a lot of great resources out there. That's not just about his company at Heaven Hill. There's no bullshit with Bernie, right? None. <laughs> None. Unfortunately, he has to, he takes the brunt of the, you know, when, whenever there's a Heaven Hill outcry on social media, you know, Bernie does take the brunt he's of the it. Shield. He's the shield for uh, for Heaven Hill a lot of times, and I, I think back to the uh, to the age statement dropping days of like Elijah Craig and some of the other things, and he's uh, he's always stood up strong to that. You get the shield up, and you're able to take it for a while, but then you're like, oh, okay, fine, finally can drop it. Yeah, we're, we're taking out, taking it off. <laughs> but let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. So today on the show, we've talked about it before. He's also been back on episodes. 35, or sorry, 36, 37, and 89. It's Bernie Lovers, the whiskey ambassador for Heaven Hill. Welcome back to the show, Bernie. It's good to be here. Thanks for all the uh, for all the nice comments, and I cherish your friendship too, uh, Fred. It's, uh, it is, uh, bourbon does bring people together, and uh, it's good to see you all again. For sure. Yeah, it's been too long. So, Bernie, you haven't been on the show since, uh, like, shows March 9th of 2017, so wow. uh, I guess, has yeah. Bottle and Bond changed since then? <laughs> I think it's gotten bigger. I think it has. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it has. I mean, it's really cool to see what, what, what's happened exploded on that. I always try to keep my finger on that pulse, but what I think is really cool, and this is just my observation, I could be, could be wrong, but, um, you know, I, I think it's become a way for craft distillers to get all you know to, to get credibility you know you mm-hmm. when you look at um uh you know what dr heist and them did down down at uh, wilderness trail they didn't come out with the product until it was bottle and bond yeah and, and then uh new riff putting uh so many bottle and bonds on i mean um so you've seen other distilleries major distilleries really haven't expanded yeah. too much um you Willits know because did that with their uh old bardstown yeah, absolutely bond, you know? and and it's you got uh, ad laws you got mm-hmm. I mean, there's just on and on and on and all over the country people are trying to do bottle and bond and I, I i do think that they look at it like you know now we're 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 we're, 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 we're even, i don't know if credible is the right word but you know now we're we're doing you know we're doing something you know that's uh because you know it, it, it there's a lot of pressure to put on out a younger whiskey when you're a craft distiller around and i think that's one way to make a big statement out the gate it's a it's a guarantee i go back to it it's like you know we talk about all these issues over the years of transparency the the one thing that could killed it all of it, it was just bottle and bond you know because mm-hmm. that's a guarantee to the consumer the way i describe it to folks uh you know uh, there's, I believe there's 1,800 craft distillers around the country. Does that sound about right? Uh, they Give or going. take 100. Uh-huh. Wait till yeah. tomorrow will be another 1,000. Ten, <laughs> 10 major distilleries. Let's say every we make a hell of a lot of labels, but let's just say everybody makes two. Okay. So you're, it's over 3,000 labels of American whiskey. There's less than 40 bottle and bonds. So I remember the fr- I, I tell this to people around. I, you know, I, I say uh, I went to the uh, to the uh, Vogue Theater when I was a little kid, when they back when they had movies and places uh one movie in one place right and it was uh it was the green beret with john wayne and sergeant barry sadler sings the the uh, title song and the song says um put silver wings on my son's chest make him one of america's best 100 men will test today but only three of the green beret so of three thousand american whiskeys there's less than 40 bottle and bonds so they are the green beret of spirits i like that now, I'm curious, as, as new ones keep coming out, are you like, uh, is it like, all right, we got to put another one on the board? Like, here we go. You have like a board of, of bottled and bonds or something? It's tough to keep track of because a lot of them don't get out of their home state. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's uh, it's hard. Uh, so, And then not all of ours are in every state. You know, we have some, you know, like J.W. Dent and J.T.S. Brown. They're only in certain, you know, a handful of, of markets. So it's uh, there's not many national ones. We haven't have four. But uh, it's kind of five, really, I guess. And you know what? The funny thing is you you brought up JTS Brown. That happens to kind of be a, a new one that people are starting to gravitate to. We've noticed in, in forums and stuff, you know, ever since, and with good reason, we talked about it to a lot of extent last year about the, you know, the the white label removing the six-year, you know, bottle and bond, all that thing. And now people are like, oh, okay, well, there's the same. That old chestnut. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Which was one of the the gems that people really loved to come to Kentucky and talk about. And now we don't have that really to talk about anymore. Yeah, and they they still overlook the Green Label 90. Like, it's nothing. Who cares about it? I love it. I love it. The White Label's got... 
Carlin, like we have the uh, Green Label yeah. 90. Oh, who cares about that? Everybody loves but the Green Label. But if you did away label. with it, oh my God, look what they did. <laughs> <laughs> it's very positive. Are we, are we, are we uh, sensing some frustrations over? Oh, I love it. I love the passion. <laughs> Because, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I catch some of the brunt, but it's okay. I love hearing the passion. I think you catch all of the brunt. <laughs> I, think, I think this is what happens. I want to see what these board meetings yeah. are like. Mac, yeah. Max Shapiro calls you into the office <laughs> a week before. All right, get the cushions ready, Bernie. <laughs> you're like, the spears are coming. You're like, wait, Bernie, I, th- I didn't even know they cared about white label until now. Until we took it, you know, we didn't even sell it. But now we're, everybody's It's mad really cool listening to people's passion. It really is. And that when people are just a wall, though, and they just won't hear something, it's, it, wait, it gets frustrating. When did that happen on the internet? When did any, when, when did that ever happen? I thought everybody was receptive and would listen. And open and yeah, just be like, you know what? I get it. It yeah, makes sense. Passion. They care about your feelings too, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you really do handle all that well. You really Thanks. do. Well, you know, I did comedy for twenty years, and I had to deal with hecklers uh, quite a bit, and I think that has, to, you know, it helps a little bit. I, I've lost my cool a couple little times, but um, I was doing a bourbon through bluegrass down at uh, Tracy Tracy's place, uh, you know, the New Orleans Bourbon Festival, mm-hmm. and um, this one guy he just wouldn't let that go about the the Heaven Hill Six and and going wherever, and uh, and I said, well, I mean, it was. 10 minutes of question, you know, and it was, he was going to get his out and he got it. It was great. You know, it was, it was, it was, was it on 70, stage or was he in the crowd? I'm on stage. He's in the crowd. There's like 70 right. people in the audience. His one shining moment. And, uh, <laughs> and it was funny. And I was, I was, you know, just explaining things and how things worked. And I said, well, you, I guess we're just not doing it the way you think we should do it. I mean, I'm so, you know, but, but that's what's happening. And I said, let me tell you, uh, if you really want, to, to, to make sure things go the way you need to uh, take a, 150 million of your own dollars and open up your own damn distillery <laughs> then you can make all the decisions you want <laughs> and the crowd just left. yeah and the guy kind of laughed a little bit but I'm like you know hey look ran away. these are you know there's a lot of money the Shapira family we're family owned the Shapira family has a lot of money invested in their enterprise and you just can't sit back and just keep it the way it is. You have to continue. It's like a house or a car. You got to keep putting putting money into it. And uh, they put a lot of money into the company since 2000, when I started the company in 2012. Damn near a billion dollars. Every time I drive down Barstown Road, there's another warehouse. Yeah. You know, on the, there, I think there was one 50,000. I was like, gosh, that's a lot of whiskey. And now you drive out, there's 10. And you're like, God dang, that's a lot of they whiskey. Just, they yeah. never stop. I mean, once they finish building another Rick house, they just build another one. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. You know, it's got to drive um, vice presidents at other companies like over in, you know, in London or different, you know, Chicago or different New York, wherever they're, you know, San Francisco is, you know, there's no contracts on Rick houses. It's a phone call, right? You know, Max calls Don Blinko, goes, when can you start? I mean, there's the contract. And that's got to drive Vice presidents create. Well, when are they going to start? When are they? Well, that's, we're going to go inspect it. Uh, when are they going to be finished? They're like, oh, well, we got the finished stuff when here. they're finished, right? Then mm-hmm. Don's going to go, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's got to drive them crazy, and that's why some of them don't do it. That's why some of them build their own, you know, palletized warehouses or whatever, uh, just and just do it that way, I guess. So Max Shapiro is playing uh, psychological warfare with the competitors here. He's, he's using the Buzics as a pawn. <laughs> on purpose, that's just like, the way that's always been done. He's like, know? we'll outgrow you by keeping the warehouse maker. <laughs> I mean, on it, our property, we don't even need the whiskey. <laughs> we just don't want them to build warehouses for you. That is a, that's the best strategy I've ever heard. Yes. It's a bold move. I like it. But I wish, you know, I wish we could like go and like hang out in those places, but it is beautiful just to drive by and see them because they have become, they've kind of become like, you know, mini mountains, just very scenic to enjoy and look at and, and they've been doing some great work out there in Bardstown. And there's a new pride and joy of the Rick House too. I mean, it's across from the the BHC that oh, yeah. is has got like it's like half of glass and it's windows and you can see the barrels inside yeah, there. The first big one I've I've seen. The only other one I saw was at uh, Bardstown uh, uh, Bourbon Company, and mm-hmm. it's a smaller rig. This one is just and it's because it's right up on the road. It kind of looks like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're gonna do a lot of our uh, private barrel selects in there. And it's gonna. Be, I haven't I haven't been in there. Uh, Really, really, uh, it's pretty much finished. I think we're, we're we're finishing that whole project. Uh, it'll be done end of spring, early uh, early summer, uh, down at the Bardstown at our, Bur- our Bourbon Heritage Center. It's yeah. going to be amazing. We're going to have a restaurant and a bar. It's mostly around the drinks. 
It's going to be a bar that serves food. It's not going to be like <laughs> a restaurant. With, and a know, bar separate. It's, it, yeah. it's, you're going to get food. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a whole lot of food around there. So it's, you know, it's, 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 but it's going to be great. Uh, we have that. Uh, Taco Bell. I mean, you got Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, you got oh, like, pre-Bardstown Bourbon Company. There was hardly Hardee's, anything. Dairy Queen. Yeah. You know. yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, not a lot of things that are open on Mondays, you know, or other days. You know, it's a small town. So, uh, you got Mammy's. Sometimes. Oh, man, we love take people <laughs> to Mammy's, is great. get a bologna sandwich, get a, yeah. get, a, get, a, get a slice of pie at the end. Perfect I mean, after a barrel pick. Oh, we love taking people to, to Mammy's. And, you know, they're, they're customers. You know, we, we love taking people to, to customers of ours. Absolutely. For sure. And, and so I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about Bottle of the Bomb before. Is there, and this kind of what you, you've staked a claim in. And I know that you've gone on other shows and you've kind of been that person. Are you loving riding that train still? Or are you kind of like, all right, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about something else here once in a while. I get excited when I see another bottle and bond come out by another distillery. Right now, my, uh, my thing is challenging distilleries to make more corn whiskey. Yes. Age corn whiskey. Yes. Okay. Because why? you know why corn whiskey? I mean, I said you don't we, like listen, you don't we, like grains. We, we've talked about yellow corn, you know, mellow corn and stuff like that before, but I, we are this bourbon guy, we are bourbon pursuit. We're not yeah. corn pursuit if, all the if way. If it's not if it doesn't have like this crazy sweet corn or the sweet oak note in it, he's like not all excited about. Man, I love the taste of corn. Mm. I love a good corn whiskey. Children of the corn unite. Mm. <laughs> Here's Kenny. Here's, no wonder you're. Here's why I love it. Here's <laughs> yep. here's why I love it. Just knock me down three yep. pegs in. You know, I well, you know, I I like to I do a tasting called the Evolution of Bourbon tasting. One would pair with live bluegrass music and stuff, but sometimes sometimes not. But anyway, the Evolution. When I came over to Heaven Hill. Um, my buddy Hickory Vaught, who plays bluegrass music, he goes, "How do you like it over there?" I said, "I like it great." I said, "But I don't I don't even know how to do a tasting. We got so many, so many different kind of whiskeys. I don't know where to start because I like to, to do tastings. You know." Not just with, you know, no one's ever told me what to taste at Heaven Hill. You know, you know, they here's what we got. <laughs> we do have, we do have, you know, goals. And here are some brands we'd like you to key in on. I mean, it is a business. I'd say we are in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity, right? So, I mean, so we do have some focus. But earn that, you know, play around with it. So I'm like, but I think I can tell the story of how bourbon became bourbon with bringing it alive with our whiskeys at Heaven Hill and taste through it's one thing to hear about the evolution of how bourbon became bourbon from unaged corn whiskey. Okay. Yep. So you hear what I'm, I just I'm, said? I'm picking unaged these, corn. I'm there picking was not up. bourbon in 1783. Okay? <laughs> there was no such thing as bourbon in 1788 when Basil Hayden brought the first 25 Catholic families through the Cumberland Gap. There was no bourbon when uh, uh, Jacob Beam on, uh, made his first whiskey in 1795. It wasn't bourbon, it was unaged corn whiskey. Yeah? So we wouldn't have bourbon today. If it wasn't for corn whiskey. So that's just a fact. Then you evolve. So that corn whiskey, which is unaged, has to get to other markets. It goes on those Kentucky flat boats, the first, and everybody wants to talk about New Orleans all the time. What, what about St. Louis? That's the first real big trading post outside here, you know, till it takes the left hand turn. So it wouldn't be too old down there, but some of it got around down there too. But that's where it got age on it. They 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 uh, they burned, they charred the barrels from the inside because whatever barrels they got came from uh, Pennsylvania, came from Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, and then they had to sterilize it to because it had brine in it and and uh, salts and vinegars and that. So they burned it, and then um, it Wait, goes down. Elijah Craig, Wait, yeah, didn't I was like, burn, didn't burn. Yeah, what about a little, a little Elijah uh, Craig story there? Yeah, yeah, okay, jump on that. <laughs> 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 okay, there's story number one is <laughs> is they have to burn the barrels out. Story number two is that Elijah Craig is having a, I don't know what he's smoking in his barn, but he has a fire and he puts it out and there it is, story number two. Story number three, you know, now they use steam to bend the staves into the shape, but back then they didn't have the steel hoops. They had, they were wooden, right? So to, so to get them to, to bend, they hung them above a fire. Some of them got charred. Story number three. Story number four is the one Mike Veach likes to tell all the time, is where uh, they, they wanted it to taste more like cognac down in uh, New Orleans. It was a, was a, was a market. So there's four. There's probably a few more. Okay. Well, I've but, got, you know, I've got, I haven't, I have not released this yet, yeah. but I have found a new little piece of history um, of merchants just, you know, selling old whiskey uh, by the barrel in like the, between 1808 
1812, which would be, it doesn't say new charred oak barrel, mm -hmm. but it, it says uh, barrel. So, I mean, mm -hmm. the, why they were doing that, mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah. the evidence, so I, I have a like a new record uh, that I've yet to show to the public that there is a, um, that they were doing it in those early 1800s time frames. Yeah. E even that before sounds about the, right. Even before like Veach's- uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. Brother. It really does because, oh. you know, they were sending it down. And, you know, you can embrace one of those stories. When you when you own a brand, it's Elijah Craig, and there's that story, you embrace that story for Heck that yeah. brand. I mean, sure, you know. But see, I tell again, all this four. is why I respect Bernie, is that like he's not going with that story <laughs> as the lead. He's giving the- Corn more, whiskey. He's giving a different story. Uh, and of course, you know, you know, Elijah Craig doesn't really enter the picture as the inventor of bourbon until like, you know, 80 years after he's dead. Mm -hmm. And there were other people who were a part of that story. And like- we don't really know how the new charred oak barrel got introduced. Mm -hmm. We we really don't. And it's a lot it's of oral history, so it gets lot. all passed down and changed around. You know that that uh, telephone game you play as a kid when, in, in school. So you know things happen. You know. Keep in mind, a lot of those people couldn't write back then. You know? <laughs> right? If they could read, you know, they were doing something else. They weren't making whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so I call those first Kentucky boats uh, the first Rick houses, because right? it was aging on those boats. So I think that's cool. You know, to think about that as the first Rick house and they're, they're mobile, they're floating. Right. And then you can go down when you go down, when I go down to New Orleans, uh, my friend, uh, Steve, uh, Wilshire lives down there. He works for our company down there, lives in Irish channel. Well, there could be some of that wood from those boats in some of those houses still. How cool is that? You go to Lafitte's blacksmith shop and, and I go, there's some wood in here from Kentucky Longboats. Prove me wrong. Are we still talking about corn whiskey? Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just because when it got down to New Orleans, back to the point. When it got <laughs> right. down to New Orleans, and it yeah. had a little little bit of color, that straw color on there, different than the clear whiskey that they had, had a little bit of flavor, had a little bit of vanilla, honey, and caramel. Right. Well, we also have letters. You know, uh, as Veach says, please keep using those charred barrels. It makes a much superior whiskey. So if it wasn't for aged corn whiskey like mellow corn. If it wasn't for that, that is the catfish that crawls out of the lake onto the ground. It's the missing link. We would have never seen to be pointed towards where bourbon is. So if you enjoy bourbon today, you have to give a nod to mellow corn and aged corn whiskey because we wouldn't have bourbon today without that. And that's my point. That's right. Mic yeah. <laughs> <Hey>, drop. <laughs> I'll, I'll give a round of applause. Episode, that episode over. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we can continue the after resume. that. You don't like corn whiskey? I, you know what? Maybe it's just, it's just, it's not had, bourbon. Maybe I haven't had enough of it. It's not Maybe bourbon. that's what it is. You got to turn your brain off of bourbon. It's like oh. when you're drinking scotch or you're drinking Irish whiskey or Canadian whiskey. You just can't go, well, it's not like, you know, Elijah Craig or it's not like Knob Creek. No, it's not. It's different whiskey. It's is that is a challenge across the board mm -hmm. in in bourbon with the with the growth of bourbon. But the one thing that I had the one thing that that's holding corn whiskey back from growth, in my opinion, is that there's a lot of stocks, older corn stocks at Beam, and they're blending them into other stuff, sure. and no one's really putting out a 12, 15 year old corn whiskey. I'll and tell you why. And once they do that, uh -huh. once they do that, everybody will change their minds. So it's up to you, Bernie. Well, uh, I do challenge other distilleries. You can't build a category with with two, you know, Balcones is doing some great stuff down in, in Texas. You know, it's it's not aged very long, but they're using different types of barrels and they have a different, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, they don't it's use- tasty. M.B. Rowland's done some nice yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, they don't have the rickhouses like we have, but they don't have the cold winters like we have. So it's, you know, it's a little darker and it's, it's I would call that Texas corn whiskey and I talk about what we do, Kentucky corn whiskey. But- I will tell you, I, I, when I started with the company, 2012, um, we were putting together, was, they invited me to taste some samples of things, and we tasted some 10-year-old corn whiskey, and uh, you know, basically 10-year-old mellow corn, and um, it tasted like um, mellow corn. So, um, okay. you know, it's in a used barrel. It's not getting a whole lot of, you know, so you, you're going to have to age it. Mother. Now, I, I did taste that recently, seven, eight years later, right? Ooh. And yes. I see where this is going. Uh, oh. Looking at it, we So is that this year's Parker's Heritage? No. <laughs> we 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 actually actually it did we we they put it in the tasting for the because uh, we we I was on the panel that put together the new Parker's. And uh so I was with Jody and and Connor and myself and several other uh, others that were there. And um we Connor looked at me and, and Jody looked at me and because we, we could kind of tell from the color it was corn whiskey, right? It's lighter straw color. 
And so they look, you know, like, why are you looking at me? Well, I'm a mellow corn guy. So, <laughs> I'm the mellow corn guy. So, <laughs> you know, and, and, they, and we all went, wow, Fred, you would love it. But it's 17 years old, for God's sake. Is, it, is that something that's going to be released? I don't, well, we're going to have to do something with it. You know, we have put it into the Heaven Hill Selects and finished it off a couple of times. But I think right, right now. How many barrels are we talking about? I don't know. I really don't know. So we can pick barrels. There can be a bourbon pursuit barrel out of this. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. How many you want? Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> how many you want? Yeah, uh, take, a baker, <laughs> take a baker's dozen. If you know, the, right. the challenge of corn whiskey for any company is the category is extremely small. I mean, it's probably the whole category is less than ten thousand cases a year, probably. Listen, so it's just hard to that, get somebody. That can on, all be on funneled through my home address. Yes. Uh, I mean, I seriously. Oh, we're all about it. But uh, I'm saying other companies. I, one reason other companies aren't getting yeah. into it is because you know everybody looks at that as rye. I mean, rye was such it still is such such a small category. I mean, Evan Williams Black Label sells more than the entire rye category. Wow. But that's still, I mean, that's, I may not be a fair comparison because you for a long time you only had one distillery making rye, and the rest of the Rest of the distillers. One I'm just time saying, there's yeah. there's hundred labels. There's a of lot rye of, now. There's a yeah, but it's still coming from it. Most of it's coming from Indiana. But with corn whiskey, there's the production's not there. Like, and now the production mm. has caught up with rye. And rye, rye can taste pretty good at two years old, and you get it, you can get away with it. But I'm, we're talking about that 17 year old. Oh, I know. So, like, I'm, what you need to do is you need to call up your old buddies at Beam and say, Fred. Well, we got our own at Heaven Hill. It's, yeah, but, I know, uh, but, but, but we don't, we don't but, need but, like a corn whiskey coalition. Well, uh, maybe Bring it back. Maybe Freddie will because he does the because uh, he's put some corn whiskey into his little book. Yep. I know, uh, and so maybe Freddie will be the con. Freddie, 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 it's you're Bernie. If you're out there, Freddie, it's Bernie. <laughs> you want to help build the corn whiskey category? <laughs> you also the the, C, the CWC, the Corn Whiskey Coalition, right there. Let's do it. We got the Come on, Freddie. President and Vice President. <laughs> we're we're going to roll this 10,000 K's brand. Or, 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 <laughs> channel your, 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 your inner grandfather. Channel your inner booker. Be a rebel. And so with the, do it. With the corn whiskey, I mean, we all kind of know that it can be a used bourbon barrel. I mean, for you all, is it the same standard Heaven Hill mash bill that's going into these? You're just grabbing well, the old, or is it Our, our standard mash bill? mash bill is 78% corn, and that would not qualify to be corn whiskey. It's so got to be 100%. Valid, no, it's got to be 80. 80. 80. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a poser. Yeah. Yes. Finally outed myself. Yeah. So a lot of people look at 100% corn whiskey, which they, they sometimes rye whiskey is advertised. 100% rye whiskey. Well, that's not 100% rye. It's just real rye whiskey. I think it's a little smoke and mirrors. On something, yeah, they're but, using, there's a lot of enzyme game going mm, on in rye. Well, with 100%, you have to. And they're but, doing, they're so doing, they'll 12, do malted yeah, rye yeah, too in yeah, there. Oh, yeah. So we, we use 12% malted barley in every one of our recipes because we feel that eight, nine percent gives you a full conversion. So we go a little, you know, dial up to 12. Um, so there's 12% in that mellow corn, and there's eight percent rye, which you really don't taste because it's in a used chart barrel and you it's not being magnified. Mm-hmm. And you're you and the way I tell people to look at it, look at look what each grain gives you, and then look at the percentages. So eight percent spicy, ninety two percent sweet, because you got to throw barley's got some sweetness in it, you know. So you got ninety two percent sweet, eight percent spicy. Well, of course it's going to be overpowered. And then in a used charred barrel, you could use a brand new uncharred barrel, but of course they cost one hundred seventy bucks. You're going to do something yeah. with it first, right? Yeah, right. I use, mean, use you your could, weights. but that's something you could do to differentiate yourself. Because we don't do it to save money. There's always that guy who stands up. We're well, just doing it to save money. Sit down. Response to the law. <laughs> Pump the brakes. You know that's why I always carry the laws. I brought my the laws with me, right? I'm, I showed you all. Not, I not, got them I'm in my backpack not here. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, and um, so you have to by law. But the, there's science to it. So if we age that eighty percent, twelve percent, eight percent rye in a brand new char barrel, we'd have bourbon. We don't want bourbon. We already got. We got lots of bourbon. We want to make every style of American whiskey. So we want to make corn whiskey by law. But the science is if you age it in a brand new chardo container over the first year or two, you know, you can always tell it when you were at the um, American Distilling Institute uh, tasting and you know, things like that. Uh, young whiskeys, young bourbons will always have a corn, you know, will have a corn flavor. It takes a year or two of aging for that corn flavor to become neutral. And then the vanilla, honey, and caramel start taking over. And then whatever you want to call the, the flavors you're getting. With corn whiskey, that corn flavor remains in a used barrel. And that's why the 10-year-old mellow corn still tasted like mellow corn. But at 17 years. 
It still tastes like a horn, <laughs> but Kenny, I think you'd really enjoy it. All right, so it's, uh, sign, me in, sign me up. It penetrates into the the deep surpluses of the wood that you would. There'd be some sweet oak in there for you. <laughs> Getting all the crap. And you know, I gotta ask. Yeah, I, over. I gotta ask Mike and uh, other folks there, uh, agent, where we put the barrels of mellow corn because I don't know if they, they spread them around or they're from top or bottom, and that's something I need to look at. Into. Yeah, send us the, the coordinates and, and and when but the security uh, guards. But it'll be interesting because you know if if you know to to. You know, but it's just not big. And it's just so far, there is the business side of the bourbon business. You do have to make money. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough call, but it's fun. I think it's a fun whiskey and it's a historic whiskey. For sure. Is there more or less evaporation in a used barrel versus a new one? I think it depends. It still depends on where you where it sit is. It gotcha. in Kentucky. But um, I didn't know if with a new charred oak barrel, if more got sucked in, you know, in versus a used one. You didn't get as question. much sucked into I the barrel. I don't know the answer to that, but I would think it would be similar to a to a, to a bourbon barrel. Gotcha. Depending on where it sits. Well, I know the data on rum, but that's a different climate. Yeah. Um, you know, and there there tends to be a lot of leakages. You know, based on the actual structure of the of the barrel after it's been you know kind of worn. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on like how quickly it was filled. You know, was it readjusted? You know, but uh, sometimes after something's dumped, the staves aren't together as well. Well, I know our summers are a lot like Barbados. Yeah, yeah here it feels much. like it. Just the winters, humid, definitely but winters are not. Are not. Yes, yeah. and I guarantee you, our mosquitoes aren't as big as Barbados. <laughs> I don't know. They have Pretty mosquitoes. Bad. I started a whole that... company on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a question that I want to. You brought some some fun samples for us. You always call these the unicorn of the unicorns, oh, and, and that's that's the greatest thing is you get a chance to try all these random barrel samples that kind of come float through. But, yeah. you know, you had also mentioned you along with Connor and others trying to figure out the new Parkers. Mm -hmm. Kind of walk us through the war room, if you will, of what it is when you all are trying to come out with a next Parkers release. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Kind of walk us through the war room, if you will, of what it is when you all are trying to come out with a next Parker's release. You know, we taste, uh, it's, it's almost like being at a, awards you know when you're giving awards out you know we we have uh, many whiskeys to taste um uh, it's mostly blind but they will tell you sometimes they will tell you some information like this is uh this is not bourbon right or they'll say um this is bourbon or this is uh they might tell you a finish if it's a finish they might not and then when you're tasting it and you know it's sometimes it becomes pretty obvious if it's finished sometimes but we we just went through many uh that we had you know parker's is you know usually about 150 barrels and it's and it's um they were laid down a long time ago right and so i believe eight years is the youngest a, a parker's can be before it can qualify to be a parker's uh so it has to have good age on it and it just has a 
a standard that's higher than than anything we do since it has that man's name on it. I mean, it is, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, we're, you know, even people who are, you know, Connor's been here a couple of years, but he, I mean, he knew Parker, he made whiskey for Parker when he started at Brown Foreman in 19, in uh, 2005, right? 2004. Um, cause we were contract distilling cause our distillery had burned down, right? You know, it's kind of neat cause Connor's first started making 70% of what he made was for Heaven Hill. And now he's with Heaven Hill. So he kind of started out and back. It's kind of a cool story that, that he tells. So we have a different standard. So uh, we weren't, we, we had, uh, you know, I mean, as you taste along through the years, sometimes they surprise you. Sometimes, you know, it's not there yet, right? Could be in a couple of years. We were having a hard time nailing it down this year uh, for this release. And so uh, what we were hoping was turning out didn't turn out yet. Mm. It will maybe in a few years, but we'll see. So we, we, we uh, pulled some other samples and uh, uh, so we tasted it and then we got it down to three, then we got it down to two, and then we decided it was it. And it turned out that was a heavy char bourbon, which we didn't know until the mm -hmm. very end. But we went, oh, how cool is that? Last year's was heavy char rye. And I'm like, well, great. Somebody's going to accuse us of now going down the heavy char thing. It's just, but it tastes, tastes and you're spectacular. Doing it for, and you're right? doing it for money. Do, do <laughs> well, you, do you, does that like, do you all ever make decisions based on how you think people no. will perceive it? No. And you can tell by some of the bad decisions we've made. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> what's a, What's a bad decision that you all have made that you think? You know, looking back, yeah, oh, maybe uh, we should have done that. Oh gosh, I'm, well, but, I'm, I, you're but, really going to make him put on the shield again, aren't well, you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not just against the whiskey geeks. Well, his, his, the uh, best thing is, Bertie will just flip it back on me. And, you know, I don't know if it's bad spot. decisions. Uh, you know, so I, you know, you, you all talked about the the Heaven Hill Six thing. Uh, it's it's a catch twenty two, really, because if you say we're going to do away with it, well, people will go immediately and clear out shelves, right? And does that do anybody that good? You know, when we know that thing that will happen, hmm. so you keep it quiet, uh, so that that doesn't happen. And you, you know, there are loyal drinkers of it. I was one of them, right? And so it was. It was nice to see it around for a while. But if you say, if I said, to, you know, uh, tomorrow that if we have, you know, brand A of bourbon is is going away tomorrow, well, you can already hear people get in their car. So what do you do? Yeah, yeah, you're it's no win. tough. You're a no-win situation. It's tough, and I don't know if that was a bad decision. It was just it played out badly. Do you, <laughs> do you ever think that you know Heaven Hill has been you know trying to uh, play catch up a little bit with the with the pricing game because oh, absolutely. you all have been priced so low historically. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was buying Elijah Craig eighteen year old for thirty five dollars at a yeah. time when you know Pappy was definitely uh, going for you know, three, four times that much. So it wasn't like sure. the bourbon boom. It was at the beginning, like 2008 was paying $35 for 18 year old Elijah Craig. We talk about it all the time. And I don't, and I'm, you know, I, when I first came, I was like, you know, the bottle and bond, <laughs> bottle and bonds need to be, you need to be up, you know, every bottle and bond should be at least 15 bucks, 14.99. And the first thing a brand manager is going to say is, oh my, that's going to make the, 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 the brand sell less. You know, the first thing they see in their mind is it's going to go down. And, uh, and they do know that can premium, help premiumize the product, but you know, sometimes, you know, so it's a dance. It's, you know, again, we are in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. If you had a crystal ball and say that, you know, all of a sudden people are going to like older whiskeys and, and, and Pappy Van Winkle is going to get in a movie and this, and now all of a sudden people are going to want older whiskeys and you can charge a hundred dollars for that same 18 year old. You know, you don't know that. You know, Heaven Hill was one of the first distilleries to sell older whiskeys on purpose with a big red number 12 on it. Mm -hmm. Instead of putting 120 months, you know, and, and trying to just sell the decanter instead of selling old whiskey. You know, the old story of my father who drank Heaven Hill six year 90. And I said, Dad, you know, I got out of college. I knew everything. Why don't you try this Elijah Craig? Why don't you try this Knob Creek? I mean, it's got more age on it. You know, like my dad looked at me like I was crazy. He said, son, I don't trust a bourbon over six years old. And this is early 90s. I trust. That's my father saying, I don't trust a bourbon over six. I said, why? He goes, if it's over six years old, trust me, that's just the shit they can't sell. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so, why you that's see so much that's like, a fair point. Uh, prohibition whiskey on the market that's like 15, 17 years old because nobody wanted to drink that stuff. 
true. And it, it is, you know, and that was, they didn't do that on purpose. They did it because they bottled it when the demand came and they had, you can only use whiskey you produced before prohibition. So that's why you see that made in 1917, 18, 19, you don't see anything past 1920 because that's when prohibition was. So they only bottled it for medicinal purposes and they only bottled it when the, the, the reorders came in. So they did in, in, and 10, 20 years after prohibition, you, there weren't 17 year old bourbons. There weren't 15 year old bourbons. It was back to four, five, and six. It was basically it. And if it got older than that, uh, people didn't want it. It was the shit that didn't sell. And I, I always thought that it was uh, funny. Uh, you know, Danny Potter, who used to work with us, he goes, man, we need, a, we need, a, we need that brand. The shit that doesn't sell. That needs to be a brand. <laughs> shit that doesn't You know, sell. now where he's at, I can totally see Bill Samuels coming out with that brand. <laughs> my maker's mark. But um, yeah, it is it is interesting to talk about the, you know, the evolution of 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 pricing, especially with, with Heaven Hill kind of being like the value brand company for so long and uh, all these gems like Henry McKenna that used to be able to get on the shelf on a regular basis. You only, well, have, on, you only have you to blame. Yeah, I was about to say, let's well, make sure we-, we I was so, hoping I could slide in under the radar on that one. <laughs> it just You're shows you how depressed the category was, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and undervalued. And, and so, and, and now you, you all are, you all are kind of riding the wave of, you know, you, Buffalo Trace, you know, you know who still Four have roses. great whiskeys at great prices. You know that that aren't as high too, because in two family-owned companies. So there yeah. you go. Uh, it, but when we look at pricing, like what is the what what do you think the because you 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 better than anybody in this business can can assess the consumer demand and and what what's out there. Where do you think we're going to be going in, in pricing for consumers? I'm seeing we're seeing things like Elijah Craig Rye come out to be very very affordable. And we're seeing a little bit of a drop in some of those kinds of products come out in the uh, like old tub, Elijah Craig Rye. We're starting to see a trend of affordable, available products. Are we going to get back to the day where things are under 40 bucks and available or, and are we going to go back to everything's going to be 150 bucks and above? I'll, I'll, I'll throw you one on the other side there is does the consumer market really want it to be under $40? I mean, the way that yeah. we are trending as just bourbon consumers even for us, like if we see something under 40, we're kind of like, is that, are we sure about we'll that? That all the time with yeah. brands that are under $20, yeah. you know, exactly. but you know, but and that's you, why but, Bernie's but then, a great person to talk to about uh, pricing is because he sees all that. Yeah, for sure. well, you know, and, and you do a great, you know, service to the community by going the best everyday brands or the best under, you know, you, you, you champion those and you talk about how good they are. Yeah. Um, pricing. I don't know if I'm one of the experts. I am on the ground. I do see things. I, 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 full disclosure, I got a uh, marketing degree from the University of Kentucky and I graduated with a 2.66 cumulative. You okay. did better than I did. So <laughs> you graduated, my friend. I was like a 2. Yeah. That's what matters. You get the piece of paper to prove it. It was a fun time. It was a good time. And I, the light bulb didn't go off till my senior year, you know, and I was like, you know, I was like, okay, okay. Cause math was my, anyway. Um, I don't, but I do get around. I do get around. I do get, I go off premise, on premise. I do see things. I don't have the, 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 the statistics and the optics and the numbers and the data and that that everybody else has. I can tell you, and I don't know this for sure, but, um, you know, cause I'm in the sales department and then there's the marketing department. I do work with the marketing department. I work with the communications department. I work with every part of our company, which is so much fun about this job. I work with production. I work with warehousing. I work with, um, you know, the folks at the visitor centers. I touch every part of our business, which is unusual. You know, I work with every one of our salespeople that's across the country and internationally. That's kind of different, you know, usually not. But what I do see and how I perceive it, uh, and I could be wrong, but we don't want products unless they're going to be two facings on a shelf. We have to have some, we have some barrels that we'll find that are 30 of something or 15 of something. And you got to do something with it. No, you can't put that out to the country. So then you got to decide, you used to be duty-free. Remember all, all oh, those yeah. great duty-free whiskeys? Well, now people have visitor centers. So now that's where you park them, right? So if you only have 10 barrels of something, you can't even get it to the state of Kentucky. But you can get it to your visitor center. Used to be duty free. I remember when I was at Jim Beam, they did the uh, uh, six grain 
project. Remember that uh, the, the the small batch? Yeah, like the quinoa, the rice. rice. Say, yeah, rice they didn't have rice yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good whiskey when it was all mingled together. But they didn't have enough of it, so they they put it in duty free. Uh, now, like I said, we have visitor centers, but we would rather have products. I would love to see a day where JTS Brown and JW Dant uh, and uh, and old Fitzgerald Prime was all over the country, two sh two facings full. We're not there yet on a volume basis. Uh, that um, we're already looking at expanding uh, into Bernheim again, you know. And uh, for the day we expanded it, we're looking at how we're, we're, how we could do that. I mean, everybody's looking at how to make more, but you know that's for years down the way. We're not looking. We do come out with products that are 150, 300. We just had the 85th anniversary. That's one barrel, uh, less than 150 bottles, I think. It's worth it. We'd, we'd rather <laughs> not have allocated items. Yeah. It's a pain yeah. in the ass. Do you got, huh? you're talking about, and well, in your travels, do you get any pushback from retailers that say, no, never. You are, they, everything well, we do is great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I guess, what is your message to a, <laughs> because you are getting that <laughs> feedback? that you're putting these allocated items in your gift shop and, you know, and they're not able to sell them. Toddies. You're talking about toddies. Well, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Guthrie, uh, hello. I love you. How'd you know, Guthrie? Uh, <laughs> I love you. Yeah. It's gotta be frustrating for them. Yeah. Uh, it has to. Um, and uh, it's, 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 we're in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. Certain things you can do, certain things you can't do. Uh, certain things you should do and don't do certain things where you're, you're going to make a, a somebody, you're going to piss. Yeah. You two, can't please. Everyone. You're going to piss two, three people off. Sometimes you got to make a decision and go. And I totally agree with you. Cause I think that if you are a producer of a product, the, the problem that we sit in today is not because of, you know, how do you want to sell it? I mean, granted, you want to be able to wholesale and sell it everywhere else. If you don't have limited supply, you have limited supply, but the government interferes and that is the only legal way to be able to do it. If, if we were down here and we were all making friendship bracelets, we could sell them on Etsy without, you know, we don't need to go directly to wholesale. There's nothing legally that bounds us to be able to do that. But for some reason, you know, this, this substance requires us to actually abide by this, sure. this government three-tier system. And, you know, for every time Guthrie gets upset, I'm, I'm using him as the collective. Okay? I love it. Oh, it's all a collective of a collective. Okay. This. All the free advertising. I, didn't know yeah, but I just yeah. love, I think, a little payback. Okay. Is when I see a, a mint julep tour bus parked in front of Toddy's, mm. and I know that fourteen people are nearby. Mm. You know that I think that makes me feel a little better. That if it wasn't for bourbon tourism, he wouldn't have that kind of business from just Bartstown itself. You know, so I think it is a symbiotic business relationship. I'm sure he gets frustrated. We get frustrated having to make a decision like that, but and I'm sure. You know, I'm sure Max has gotten a phone call, not just from him, but I'm sure Benny's has called him, right? You know, I'm sure Specs hey, has Max, called him from Texas. we got Guthrie on right? the line again. <laughs> you know? But you know, for every Guthrie, there's a, there's a, there's a Benny, right? There's a, there's a Specs, there's a thing. And you know, and, yeah. and they're all, you're, whether they have one store or they're 50 stores. I, I think, so this is a, let, let's have this conversation because it's a, I, I think it's one that we all kind of need to have. And that is like. So many of us um, in in the game feel like some of the bourbon distillers are are forgetting those who brought them to the dance. It's kind of like I like to put it. And I'm not saying it's Heaven Hill, but I'm just like in general in the bourbon industry, you have all of these retailers um, who used to, you know, do stuff for, for the brands when nobody would sell anything. And now they can't get an allocated product. Mm -hmm. And then you have these, you have like these, um, you know, not too long ago, our very good friend, uh, Larry Rice of Silver Dollar, got shafted on allocations this year because he's not able to be fully open uh, during the pandemic. And and he he went off and he's like, I'm going to remember this. And this is this is not about Heaven Hill or any one company, but it's like, why can't we... Why can't we take care of those those small mom and pops and those those restaurants that have been there for for the for the industry the whole time? Instead, we're we're looking at you know the big box stores and making sure they're happy. I mean, it it seems to be like that's that's very much against the ethos of the bourbon industry, which has always been about the small independent retail stores and the restaurants that have helped them. I tell you, I don't think any distillery. I could be wrong. I don't think any distillery 
does their private barrel program perfect or good? Mm. It's a challenge. Uh, first of all, we don't know, you know, we don't own the product, you know, it's, yeah. it's through the distributor. We're, we're already one away. You know, we have a lot of say in it, but we don't have the final say, you know, it is not our product anymore. Uh, even though it is, but it's not, you know, but there's a lot of, they're, they're there's the things behind the scenes. Yeah. Then you have, well, we ship, you know, 15 million cases out of our place a year. It's going to be a little different at Heaven Hill than it is at Willet. You know, a little different than Four Roses. That's where everybody has an advantage of different things. We might have whatever. We don't sell enough barrels in our private barrel program. I've heard Max Shapira uh, come in. I've come in with the customers, right? And this is a hilarious, I think it's a hilarious story. Uh, this guy came down from, I think it was Boston. Yeah, Boston. And he has two sons with him. And this guy has, has owned a liquor store, for, you know, his dad owned the liquor store and it's a perfect kind of thing. And of course, uh, our oldest distributor partnership uh, is still with uh, MS Walker up there, our distributors up there. And MS Walker gets, they get uh, emotional talking when I go and talk to their distributors and they go, let me, and then the president will come in, owner of president comes in, let me tell you how important Heaven Hill is. They were on our first distributor, major distributor he used to come up with the samples. You know, there's times where we couldn't make payments to Heaven Hill and they said, pay us when you can. You know, we wouldn't be here if they weren't here. Whatever. So it's kind of neat, you know, and he's up there in this and the sons kind of come in and uh, they were going to get one barrel, only one barrel. Right. And yeah, we'll take first five. thing out of the gate, younger son, we want two barrels. I mean, didn't hardly sit down. We want two barrels. I'm like, well, let's get the one first, right? <laughs> and then let's do this. And then, um, and I think Max popped his head in or whatever and said, hey, what's going on here? You know, it's not every day you meet the owner of a distillery, <laughs> much less a major distillery, the fifth largest supplier in the United States. And he's, Max is, a, Max, oh, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so? You know, from MS Walker, our oldest, our oldest partnership, we just you know, love you know, new people immediately. Here's Max Shapiro, ask him anything you want. You know, you're, you're a retailer or whatever. And the son couldn't hardly hold in. He goes, well, I said, and, and I could just see he was busting, right? <laughs> and I said, well, Max, this is a son. And I said, you know, and I knew kind of where Max was, would probably go with this, but I had no idea. Max is a funny guy anyway. And whatever. I said, Max, uh, he'd like two barrels now instead of one. He goes, what are they supposed to get? I said, uh, one barrel. He goes, uh, knock them down to a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> And I was like, what? And the father laughed, right? The kid's like, huh? <laughs> and he goes, and then Max goes, look, I'm just kidding. He says, look, we own 20% uh, uh, of the world's bourbon supply. So let that sink in. I think at the time it was 25%, but it's trying not about 20%. We own 20% of the world's bourbon supply. And we're a family-owned company. We're pretty conservative. And I don't even think that's enough because we think that's where the industry's going. And we give our private barrels to our very best customers. And if you get one barrel, that's a big deal to us. And the, he's like, ooh, they started him and then uh, before we left though, and they had a great talk and you know pictures and all kind of Max Shapiro, president, you know, who almost single-handedly built this company. You know, it's been with the company for fifty years now. Happy anniversary, Max! Fifty years. And when they left, Max goes, Bernie. Uh, get them back up to one barrel. <laughs> <laughs> so when I did I a, love the story. When I did a barrel pick with them, uh, I was, you know, everyone's always trying to get cash drink. Everyone's always trying to get on chill filter. They think they're the first ones to ask. And, right, and no. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like doing this. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to text Max. And, <laughs> and I get a phone call from Josh. <laughs> Fred, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why are you, you can't do that. Why, why are you trying to get Max to approve a barrel? You know, a barrel proof. You know, you can't do that. Don't go over his helmet like that. I'm like, well, let's try. What, what are you going to do? Are you going to blame me for trying? Yeah. And just think about the labor of a of a cast strength. So let's say we did hundreds of barrels of cast strength every year. Um, you mean think of the fandom and the enjoyment that we would be we do things. like don't no don't we eat, do don't eat these words no we actually it's do happen I think <laughs> no we we wait till all those believe it or not barrels age believe it or not we actually do. But the problem becomes, who's going to make those labels? Me. I'll make them. Uh, Ryan, L Ryan, Kenny, and I are signed up. We're in. <laughs> you got, got a handwrite. You got a handwrite. Lauren's the, got good handwriting. The, the, the proof on there, every single time. For 200 plus bottles, 150 to 250 bottles, that's a person. 
Did I tell you we ship 15 plus million cases out every place a year? This is, that's already slowed down. Turn those machines off. You know, it's crazy. We got a single barrel cash. So <laughs> we have, bottle. we have different, uh, you know, have you ever heard me call Heaven Hill the Reno, Nevada of distilleries, right? You know, because Reno's the biggest little city in the world, right? Because they're in the shadow of Las Vegas. Well, we're the biggest little distillery in the world. We got those, you know, the number two selling bourbon in the world. We make 1,400 barrels a day, 1,300 barrels a day, almost 400,000 barrels a year, right? The world's number one uh, uh, the single site bourbon distillery at Bernheim Distillery. But we're also small because we're family owned. You know, so we're the biggest little distillery in the world. We make every style of American whiskey. What even craft distiller does that? What does, and oh, even getting the Canadian whiskey now. Well, we bought uh, yeah. a, a, a Black Velvet. Great opportunity for us, you know, the number two selling Canadian whiskey in the world. So they must see a big opportunity in Canadian whiskey. Well, it was a great opportunity for Heaven Hill for that particular brand. You know, yeah. Canadian whiskey, um, shoot, um, you know, it is what you get out of it. I mean, what you put into it, too. Uh, we we feel we can, we can grow that brand. It's already a big brand. Um, it's one of our larger brands in our portfolio, as a matter of fact. But... You know, it was, it was ignored for many, many years by its previous couple owners. Yeah. And it was just, you know, you know, Max looked at it as an opportunity and excited to have it. We went up to uh, in, in Canada, Leftbridge, where they are, and they're like, oh, someone's paying attention to us. I mean, your, your people are visiting from the company. <laughs> you know, we are invited to the national sales meeting. You got a spot. We were talking to people. And they're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. You know, they're excited. It's not even available in Canada much. <laughs> How about let's oh, it's open You know, it's funny. Black Velvet's marketing campaign for a while was to pair it with pickled eggs. I mean, if, they, wow. if you're, you're going from like pickled egg marketing to uh, to have a nil, I think that's a pretty good jump up. But if you look at the ads from the 70s and 60s, Telly Savalas and different, yeah. you know, ma major stars were advertising Black Velvet. It's it was pretty cool. I mean, it, it in the stocks from there. When you get in the older stuff, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I mean David De Corgamo swears by the mm -hmm. uh, the eight year old and older. So but we're excited about it, and that's the cool thing about being the Reno, Nevada of distilleries. Another distillery who just shrugged it off. All that I heard, Brian, everything that he just said. What I heard was there's a chance that we can get a single barrel. Of blah, uh, <laughs> of uh, well, no, of Elijah Craig barrel proof, non chill filtered. I heard there's a chance in in a in a black velvet barrel. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a half, maybe a half. Yeah, we maybe. can put it on a black velvet label, but still, we know it's Elijah. We know we'll hand write it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you know, it, it is exciting. I mean, you know, it's an exciting business to be a part of. It's a it's a it's a whiskey from another country. We have bricks and mortar in another country. That's pretty exciting for a company that was started in Barstown, Kentucky with $30,000. Yeah. And now we own bricks and mortar in Canada. I just thought it was a spectacular uh, find for Max and the family. And this was Max's deal. You know, he read a press release on the company that owned it, and they didn't even mention Black Velvet in the press release. And he's like, well, maybe they don't care about it. I'll call them up. It's pretty cool. I want to know how many, I want to know who's called Max. I've never asked him. I want to know who's called Max. Max and offered him and what he's been offered for the company. That's a good question. Oh, gosh. I just like to think of sitting there watching him getting a phone call from a major, you know, international yeah, company. Yeah, I want to hear the numbers. And how, how much he's been offered. I bet you for. that Pretty there's, there's that been he's some turned efforts. turned it all down. Don't even entertain it, right? I bet you there's been some efforts to buy some individual brands, but I don't know about the entire company. And we've never sold a brand. I found that out. We've never sold a brand. No. No, you can take take a look at the trademarks you all own. You mm. never get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah. all have like every bourbon brand that's ever dissolved. Yeah, and we've yeah, kept you know whole... we've kept brands. There's brands we don't even produce that we own, but uh, still, I mean, well, we've never sold a brand. I mean, we intend to make them, and we've you know, uh, it's it's pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, as as we start winding down here, you know, you also have an opportunity. You you do a lot of a lot of good jingles, right? You. you Write jingles. Some, write some songs. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe that's a bad way to put it. But yeah, you do. You write a few songs. You uh, you want to have one to kind of close us out here? Yeah. So I wrote this song a few months ago. And uh, it is something, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I don't know about your parents uh, and that, but when, um, you know, when I got sick, my mom made up like a... Uh, a toddy, I guess a hot toddy, or not a hot toddy, but, um, you know, it was uh, whiskey, honey, and lemon. So I was thinking about it, and I, was, I said, you know, that sounds like a song, whiskey, honey, and lemon. 
And so I, I started writing it and I've, you know, some songs go just didn't come down. I've got away from it. Uh, a couple weeks later, I was driving down and I was, uh, I was in uh, Bowling Green actually. And that's when I kind of finished this song off. So got to do my best writing when I'm driving the car. When I was growing up and I wasn't feeling well, my mom would do what lots of moms did then. She'd kiss me lightly on the forehead, but she didn't go and grab the aspirin. She'd mix up whiskey, honey, and loving. A kiss on my forehead and my cheek. Mix up whiskey, honey, and loving. A second dose so I could fall asleep. Now I'm all grown up, full grown man. And my dear sweet mama, she is gone. I still get sick from time to time, but I will not spend one dime at the drugstore. So just like her instead, I'll mix up whiskey, honey, and loving. I miss those kisses on my forehead and my cheek. I'll feel better there right quick. With each and every sip Her love's right there in the recipe So next time you aren't feeling very good Mix you some whiskey Honey and love And get you some kisses On your forehead and your cheek You'll feel better there right quick with each and every sip Her love's right there in the recipe Mom's love's right there in the recipe That was awesome. Thank you. Love it, Bernie. Thank you. Like, Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was it was a pleasure to have you and I've always loved to be able to hear your songs. Like This is you have such a unique way of being able to do this because it it speaks to a lot of people, especially in the whiskey world. And you you bring a, a like a, a real whiskey drinker's perspective into your songwriting, mm-hmm. and it's oh, it's not you know it's not just country singers trying to make a buck off of Jack Daniels or something <laughs> like that, but it's it truly is, and it's a, a love being able to have you. And let's make sure it doesn't take another three to four years absolutely. to have you back on the show. Absolutely, yeah. well, I appreciate y'all having me on. Great seeing y'all all together. And uh, here's to a, a great year and to more whiskey flowing. And as always, as I always say, stay bonded. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Cheers to that cheers one, Bond. And I also forgot to mention, if, if there's somebody that wants to follow you or anything like that, how do they do that on the old interwebs? Well, you can uh, see a lot of me on uh, different uh, videos and that we have on heavenhilldistillery.com. But I have my own platform, which is uh, whiskeyprof.com. You know, I'm known as the Whiskey Professor. And so, um, you know, it's not branded. It's not, uh, it's not a site for our distillery. It's mine. As Fred says, you know, I, I like to talk about what I like to talk about. A lot of articles on Bottle and Bond and different things um, throughout the uh, how to read a label. Things like that at whiskeyprof.com. I'm Bernie Lovers on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, YouTube uh, at Bernie Lovers. So, uh, yeah. Right on. Awesome. Please do. Well, thank you again, Bernie. And Thanks, make sure, you, make sure you follow Thanks, Bernie. Thanks, Fred. Make sure you check out that YouTube channel. He's got all his, all his songs on there, all the, the greatest hits. So make sure you follow him and also follow Burn Pursuit wherever you get your podcasts and on all the socials. With that, cheers, everybody. And we'll see you all next week. See ya. Toodles. Cheers. Cheers.